Take your Bible, please. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. First of all, how's everyone doing today? Are we okay? Are we okay? Did anyone have a tough week? Always. (laughs) Did anyone have a tough morning? I was thinking about Christmas and uh, we're in Luke chapter 2. But one thing that came to my mind is that Christmas comes every year at just the right time. When we need a reminder of what's really important in life. And a lot of stuff that we worry about is not that important in the big picture of things. We have a lot going on, but you know, Christmas comes and we're reminded of the simplicity and the beauty of the whole Christmas story. So I want to encourage everyone at this time of year... I mean, personally, I know it's tough for a lot of people. It's tough. There's sickness everywhere. And and people are just uh, getting bombarded with a lot of different things going on. But let me remind you, Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed one bit. Our circumstances may have changed. For some of us, they've gotten a little bit more complicated or darker. But Jesus has never changed. He's the same. And he's still worthy to be praised. I just want to encourage you today. Be, be blessed knowing that God knows you. He knows your name. He knows your life. He knows your past, your present, and he knows your future. And he hasn't given up on any one of us yet. So be encouraged today. Christmas is here. It's time to celebrate the birth of our king. You know, it's not, it's not just about the, the trees and the, and the presents and Santa Claus and all that goes along with it culturally. It's about a Savior coming into the world to bring hope to humanity. That's the message of, Christ, of Christmas. And I'm, I'm so happy. I, I've been watching different things on Facebook. You know, you have that live feed on Facebook. It's funny what you could get. You get services all over the world on there. But you have, I, there was something in Australia going on the other day I was watching. Something in India or Pakistan. People praising God and worshiping God with fervor. They were so excited about the birth of a Savior. And so, you know, this isn't just our little, our little thing. This is a huge message that has gone out to the whole world. Jesus is born. He's come to bring redemption, to bring hope, to bring life to bring direction, to bring guidance for us. Now, I don't know about you. I received Christ a long time ago as my personal Savior. I was 26 years old when that happened. And boy, at 26, I thought I knew everything until I got saved. And I realized I knew nothing. But from then until now, every year at Christmas time, I am so thankful that Jesus burst into my life and changed my life and changed my story. Has he changed your story, church? Because he wants to change your story. You know, you may have a story, a script in your head thinking, this is how life's going to be. But the Lord might say, you know what? I don't think so. Give your life to me. I'll change your story for the better and for the good. You know, just surrender, yield to me is what he's saying. So anyway, I want to talk about a a certain topic this morning. Um, I, I, let me just get back to my, what I had planned to say. That when we have all these trials and troubles come upon us, we're reminded of Bethlehem, thus, thus the stable. We're reminded of the babe. We're reminded of new beginnings in Christ. Jesus Christ, in case you've forgotten, he came to forgive us. He came to redeem us. He came to love us. He came to make us new. So remember what it's all about here. It's Jesus in the manger. It's peace in the midst of the storm. It's love personified in a special person. Christmas, to me, is a time of renewal and rebirth and, in some cases, rebooting ourselves to get ready for the new year. And maybe the Lord's coming in the new year. Christmas story is a, is a great story. And thank you, Stacy, for sharing that message last week. Emmanuel, and the soul felt its worth. Emmanuel meaning God with us. But I've entitled the message today, Shepherds in the Story. Shepherds in the Story. 
So we're in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And let me just uh, bring you up to speed. Let me, oh, we'll read a couple of verses. Luke 2, verse number 8. There was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Do you know this story, by the way? Do you know this story? Shepherds out in the field, keeping watch by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. For there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the message of this passage. Bless this sermon, Lord. Do it. Do with it what you want, Lord. You put some things on my heart. Help me to articulate them clearly and let it be received clearly. And let the word of God change our view to today. Let it change our spirit today. Let it change the atmosphere in our own mind and heart and being. We welcome your Holy Spirit to, sh- to show us what we need. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me give you the story up until this point. You probably know the story, but I want to tell the story anyway. If we can't tell, tell the story of Christmas during Christmas, we have a problem. <laughs> we don't want to have a problem. But here's the story so far. Zacharias was a priest. He was do- doing his sacrificial offering in the temple when he was interrupted by an angel. An angel came and said, Zacharias, your prayers have been answered. You're, you're, you and your wife are going to have a baby. He's going to be great. He's going to be a forerunner of the Messiah. And Zacharias said, that's in my phrasing, that's ridiculous. We're too old. She's too old to have a baby. And because of that, Gabriel said, because you said that, you're not going to be able to speak for nine months. And he didn't say a word for nine months. And she did get pregnant. It was pregnant with John the Baptist. Well, around the same time, the same angel, Gabriel, came to Mary and, uh, and told her uh, that Mary, you, you were going to have a baby. And uh, the thing about Mary, is she, although she was a virgin, she would be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And the angel said, your child will be great. He'll be a son of the highest and he'll sit on the throne of David. And right around that time, if you put Luke's uh, gospel uh, interspersed with Matthew's gospel, you have what happened to Joseph. Now, you know, Joseph had a reaction to the situation. I mean, wouldn't you? His betrothed wife, they weren't married yet. They were betrothed. They were called a wife, but they weren't, it wasn't consummated yet. They didn't go through the ceremony yet. He finds out she's pregnant. Oh, my goodness. And Matthew, and, and he, he said, oh, well, you know, being a just man... He wants to put her away quietly so no one will mock her and belittle her and so on and so forth. But an angel appears to him in a dream. And Joseph had many dreams during this time in which the, the, an angel appeared to him. And the angel said to him, no, Joseph, this is going to be okay. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. Take her as your wife. Name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Wow, what a dream that was. I've been praying, Lord, give me some good dreams. I have some not so good dreams, you know. I want some good dreams. I say, Lord, give me a dream about you. I'm still waiting for that to happen. But what a dream this was for Joseph. At that time, Joseph and Mary were living in Nazareth. And that's where their families were. That's where their friends were. But God moved upon the ruler of Judea, Caesar Augustus, and and caused him to call for a census to be taken. Well, all the Jewish people had to go back to their ancestral home to register in this census. Little did he know that God used him to fulfill a prophecy that the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. Well, Joseph and Mary had ancestral roots in Bethlehem. So they come from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And as they get there, there's no room to stay. There's no, that's crowded. Everyone's there for the census. They find a place that has a, a manger in it. It's really a feeding trough. Kind of like, kind of like this, but a little bit bigger, probably. And if you could picture, this is nice and clean. Uh, that one was probably not so clean. It's where the animals would feed from. 
with all their slurp and whatnot. You know what I mean? But they found a place that had a, 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 a manger, a feeding trough, and the baby was born in that place, whether it was a shed or a barn or a cave. We don't know exactly, but it was someplace where animals stayed. And the baby was born there and put into this manger. Well, right at that time, we read in Luke chapter 2, verse number 8, there were shepherds in the same country living out in the fields. So I want to go through this in a verse-by-verse manner, all the way down to verse number 20, and then give some application to how shepherds in the story have application for us. So verse number 8, the shepherds were living out in the fields. Now they, they weren't homeless, but they were close to it. They didn't live in town like everybody else. They didn't have a nice country home like some people. They lived in fields. They worked all day and all night. They tended sheep. But let me just digress for a moment because I think something has to be said about shepherds. God must love shepherds. I see them a lot in the Bible. Just like I think God likes trumpets. You know, trumpets are a sound that must be pleasing to the Lord. And we're waiting for that one trumpet to come when he comes back. Amen. But anyway, Moses was a shepherd as he was preparing to be the leader of Israel. David was a shepherd when he was preparing to be king of Israel. Jesus himself is referred to as the shepherd of our soul in 1 Peter 2.25. Referred to as such in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the good shepherd in John 10. And the Lord promised shepherds to care for his sheep until he returned again. Pastors, leaders, to feed the flock, to take care of the flock, to nurture and oversee the flock. So I think it's very fitting that there's shepherds in the story. But if there's something else to consider about these shepherds. I want to bring out this point. Shepherds in that culture were actually nobodies. No one paid them much attention. They did work that no one else really wanted to do. And they worked at times when most people were sleeping at night. They were what I would call invisible people. They kept sheep. Likely they sold it for food for the people or for sacrifices, most likely. But shepherds probably didn't smell real nice. They slept with the sheep. They ate with the sheep. They hung out with the sheep. There's a place down in, on the way to Georgetown. Sometimes we go out there and there's sheep. I have to go out there and smell what they really smell. Whenever I get that close, I kind of turn away. But I think the shepherds were like influenced by the, the work that they did. And so it's rather, it's rather something that in the middle of this wonderful story of the Messiah, that shepherds are introduced as part of the narrative. I mean, we're celebrating the birth of a king. What are shepherds doing in the story? Well, they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, that word behold always grabs my heart. It's like something's going on, and all of a sudden, boom, something else is happening. Like, check this out. Look at this. You don't want to miss this. Behold. Oh, an angel of the Lord stood before them. Now, I'm not sure what the shepherds knew about angels, but if they knew anything about Old Testament angels, they usually didn't come with good news. They came with some type of, you know, message from God to get it right or to destroy things or destroy people. But anyway, the angel came and Verse number nine, and uh, he stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And uh, I, I believe the angels, when that happens, obviously the angels had been in the presence of God. And they came to earth to minister. The glory of God was still on them. They brought the glory down with them. And note that the shepherds, were tending sheep. They weren't seeking God. And God burst upon the scene. 
And their reaction was, their first emotion was one that we might understand. It was fear. They weren't seeking God, per se. Have you ever experienced fear in your life? I mean, real fear. I I can't say that I have in my waking hours. I mean, I've been afraid of a few things. But the real fear that I have is when I dream sometimes. I have these crazy dreams where I'm being attacked. And the fear, I say the fear of God, something grips my heart. And I'm ready to, you may have heard me talk about these dreams. I don't have them all the time. I don't want you to think I, I do. But every now and then I have these dreams. And I'll knock over a lamp or a radio or something next to the bed. I'll, Pam will think I'm, you know, she'll try to calm me down and I'll, I'll, I'll be like, we're getting ready to hit her. And I don't, but I wake up just in time. But I, I've had that feeling of fear. It's not a good feeling. It's a crippling feeling. But I think these shepherds were really taken by the fact, like, we're out here minding our own business, doing this work no one really wants to do, but we're out here and all of a sudden an angel comes And the glory of God is all around them. They were afraid. But their fear changes rather quickly here. So let's go on with the story. The angel says in verse number 10. I just love how the word of God says it. I I love it. I I have these little flashbacks. Talking about Charlie O'Brown Christmas play next Sunday. How many of you remember the Charlie Brown Christmas story? You know, in real life. As a kid, I remember watching the Charlie Brown Christmas story and those little music in the background and and these verses come to life. No, no, no. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Behold, I give you good news, glad tidings, which is for you and for all the people. I think there's something about the angel saying all the people. It included them, the most unlikely ones in the story. You're in this too. You are giving you good news. And maybe somebody here today, somebody online needs to know, you know what? Your life may be really troubled. You may be bogged down. You may be hindered by stuff you have to take care of and not know how you're going to do it. Can I tell you something? There's good news for you. Jesus is here for you today. Amen. He's here for you today. Amen. And so he says, verse number 10, Don't be afraid. I bring you such good tidings, great joy for everyone. For there is born, there is born unto you, unto you, O shepherds. There is born to you this day in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. And the verses go on, verses 11, 12, and 13. We see uh, uh, that this, this will be a sign to you. Uh, you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, just pieces of cloth wrapped up, lying in a manger or a feeding trough. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Now, not, this went from one angel to now a multitude singing and praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. You ever notice that in Christianity, there's such an emphasis on peace and goodwill to men? Go out and share this message to the whole world. And let works follow your faith. Do good things. Feed the hungry. Take care of the sick or whatever. But go out as a messenger of mine. So in this account, we have praise going on in heaven. And peace and goodwill to men on earth. What a picture of Christianity. Hallelujah. Praises to God in heaven. And on earth, peace and goodwill for everyone. That's the message of the cross right there. So I, I see here a couple of things. I see that uh, uh, the news is, shepherds, there's a Savior. There's a sign, and there's a song of praise going on. And I think that these shepherds felt really, really special. So, verse number 15. The second emotion that they felt was an emotion of Curiosity. How many of you are curious about the things of... Listen, I I don't want to keep referring to this, but I have to to make a point. Pamela and I are now 45 years into our walk with God. 45? Yeah, 45. Wow. (laughs) And I still find out things 
I mean, it's like, I'm not that I ever thought I knew everything. I never thought that. But for goodness sake, I thought I knew a little bit more than what I know. But I'm always finding out something new. I am curious about this word. This word is amazing. It's, it never, the depth is, you can never reach the bottom of it. Or the top of it. It's, it's, it's so big, it's fast, it's, it's overwhelming. That's why I love to hear these different preachers on, on the, my, the app I have or Bible study. I love to know what people are saying about this book and about my Savior. I learn things all the time. Anyway, these shepherds were curious. In verse number 15, it says, So it was when the angels had gone away. Well, first of all, can you get the, the drastic change? I mean, they're minding their own business. An angel comes with the glory of God, has an announcement. Then the heavenly host, these guys must have been flabbergasted. But all of a sudden, boom, 15, they're all gone. And you would think, well, let's go back to sleeping and watching the sheep. No, they said, uh, the shepherds said to one another, let's get out of here and go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They were curious about the things of God. I have to make that point. Because some people have an interaction with God. It may be at church. It may be at your home. It may be at whatever. And you just kind of chuck it off like, oh, well, that was just God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we wait a minute here? If that was God, don't you want to know more about that God that just spoke to you or did something for you? Or that God that moved on your behalf? Aren't you curious about this God? I am I am more curious now than I was before, actually. It may be because uh, maybe as, as, as we go through the aging process, we get closer to that day when we're going to see him. Oh, I'm curious. You know, my mom, praise the Lord, is miraculously better. She's home, 96 years old on the 21st of this month, after having a bout of COVID and other issues. But she's home. But I have to tell you, at that time, a month ago... She was, we were all talking about plans for her. And she was saying, I'm looking for, I want to see dad. I want to see Joey. I want to see Kathy. And my mom, you know, she wanted to see people in heaven. She was curious. Well, these shepherds were curious. And uh, they said, let's go, let's go, let's go down to Bethlehem and see what's going on here. So they go to, they go to Bethlehem, the city of David. And there they find Mary and Joseph and the babe uh, in the manger. Let's see, where are we? So it was the angels had gone away. They went to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. See this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And in verse 17, the third emotion that I see here, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this Christ. They were excited. That was the emotion they had. They had excitement. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Mary was pensive. The shepherds were excited. They were, they were telling everybody. And, and people who heard them were marveling at this story. They didn't, how can I say it? They were excited. And when they, when they spoke people listen to what they said. I think it's hard to be a witness when you're passive or you're apathetic, like, oh yeah, God saved my life, you know, past the pizza or whatever. You know, what do you mean? God saved your life. Did he really save your life? Well, they they had some emotion. They were excited. And then the last emotion we see in verse number 20, that the shepherds returned back to the fields, back to the countryside, back to the sheep, But they were different. They were what I would call thankful. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as was told them. So yeah, the shepherds, they were fearful, they were curious, they were excited, and they were thankful. And so I want to talk about lessons from the shepherds. I think if you know the story... You could maybe put yourself in there a little bit. And there's probably, you know, 10 points we could talk about. But I have three I want to share with you today that hopefully it will make an impact on your Christmas, your Christmas season. And not only your Christmas season, but beyond your Christmas season. 
Because the week after Christmas is what? New Year's Day. This year they're both on Sunday. On New Year's Day, we start a whole new year, a whole new leaf, a whole new page of our story is turned. What are we going to be like in the new year? What do you want God to do in the new year? What will you do for the Lord in the new year? What will New Life Christian Assembly be in 2023? You know, a lot of that depends on how we interpret, how we internalize the Word of God for today. Shepherds in the story. Shepherds in the story. Here's lesson number one. God wants you in the story. Verse number eight. The whole thing about shepherds reminds me of John 3.16. That God so loved the world that whosoever would believe on him, even shepherds, they wouldn't perish, but they'd have everlasting life. The shepherds, you see, really represent all of us. I don't, I've always had an identity with shepherds. I don't know why. Maybe when I was in kindergarten, I wasn't a shepherd. I was an angel in the play. I have, a, I have a movie. Remember those old movies? Some of you don't even remember. But before videos, there was something else with the big thing and lights. And My father took movies, home movies. And there's little Ricky up on the top right up there with a crown on his head singing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. <laughs> Later on, I think I was in eighth grade. I probably, probably told you this. I was a shepherd. And the thing I remember about the play is that they put goatees on all the shepherds. I was in eighth grade. I thought I was the coolest thing in town, let me tell you. When it was time to take it off, I hid. I, I, I'm not taking mine off. I'm going home with my goatee on. And I did. I went home went to, up to the neighborhood where people hung out trying to show people, look, I have a goatee. That's why I, That was the shepherd in me coming. I always loved shepherds. But anyway... Shepherds represent all of us. And listen to this. There's some speculation or uncertainty, perhaps, about what shepherds were like in those days. But let me give you a little bit of a background here. Some people say, listen to this. Some people say that they're criminals, social outcasts or social misfits that were hiding out. That's why they got away from the city. Some people say they were uneducated because they missed all the religious events and learning. They were uncultured. They were uninvolved with society. They were reclusive. They didn't like people. They wanted to be alone. Some people say, well, they lived secret lives on purpose because of, um, and they chose an unpopular trade to hide their deep secrets of their lives, of their families, of their lifestyle. But in any case, the shepherds are in the story. Do you see what this does for everybody? Nobody could say, God doesn't want me or love me. No one could say, God doesn't understand me, and if he did, he wouldn't want me, when the shepherds are in the story and all that they bring to the table. God is open for business with shepherds or anybody else, and everyone is invited to the party. That means that person at work that you can't stand, God loves him. He's invited to the party. That family member that, you know which one I'm talking about, that just drives you crazy, that one God loves. And they're invited to the party too. <laughs> I'm thankful, just a little personal testimony. When I came to Jesus, I was steeped in my own sin and rebellion. I was one of the most selfish persons I knew. I fit right in with everybody else. There was everything was me, myself, and I. Let's just take care of me. Uh, I, I was on probation. I was in counseling. I had a series of setbacks in my life with school and music and sports and friends. The only thing good I had going on was my relationship with Pamela. But Jesus reached into our world and saved us and redeemed us. And now we have a redemption story. So when someone comes to the church, amen. I, I have to say this because I think sometimes people forget. We all have a story. I definitely have a story. I told you many times, my friends in New York are still wondering, what happened to that guy? Well, I got saved, brother. But what I'm saying is we all have a beginning. And when someone comes into the church... 
new person, they receive Christ, guess what? I remember what it's like. I remember the attitudes and the the preconceived notions I have of church people and religion and all this other stuff. And then I remember also how little I knew, but I thought I knew everything. And how the reality was I knew nothing. So when someone comes in and they have all their stuff with them, on the inside I chuckle. I say, man, that's me all over again. I say to myself, just wait, man, just wait. God's going to get a hold of your heart. How I can remember in our early experiences, we're living in North Carolina at that time, going to a little church, maybe 40, 50 people on a Sunday morning, maybe 20 at night. Some of those Sunday night services were just so spirit anointed. I'll never forget being in the presence of God, crying out, worshiping for like two hours straight, just renewing my mind, my soul, my spirit, praising my God that saved me. Yeah, we need to remember those days, church. People come in here, they don't know what's going on. Well, what are we? Well, we're above everything now? No, we can never afford to be that. We need to be open for business in such a way that we love people into the kingdom. And we exercise a word that we don't like, but we exercise patience. I can, I can give you 25 people in my life that were patient with me early on in, in my experience. So anyway... Jesus rescued me. Uh, to quote a word from Stacy's message last week, uh, we heard that we were unworthy, but we were not worthless. You know, that was a new concept. We're unworthy, but we're not worthless. Thank you, Stacy, for that. And so we were ready for redemption. And here's the thing, what I'm getting at. So many years later, so many years later, I'm still the shepherd boy. I'm still the one out in the field trying to figure out life. And now I'm a husband and a father and a grandfather and a pastor and so many responsibilities and so many uh, a reputation to uphold and so many things in my life. But I'm still like the little shepherd that needs God to intervene in my life again and again and again. And as God interrupted their lives in Luke chapter 2, he, if he has interrupted your life, praise God. Let him do it again. Let him do it again and again and again. Let him do it so many times that when he comes back and really interrupts our life, hello, we'll be ready to go. You see what I mean? This is a relationship we're talking about. I think about Moses. Moses was called into ministry. Moses said, Lord, I can't talk. I, I, I stutter. And, and the Lord said, I'll give you Aaron. God bless you, Aaron. I'll give you Aaron to help you talk. He said, I can't lead. He said, I'll give you my spirit. He goes, I can't do anything. I killed the man. And the Lord said, you tell them I am who I am has sent you. You're under the covering. So we don't have any excuse why we can't do anything. We're covered by the blood of Christ. I think about Daniel, uh, David, who was the least likely of the eight brothers of Jesse, eight sons of Jesse, to be chosen. He's the youngest. He was poetic in nature. He was creative. He was a shepherd boy. And Samuel came to anoint all the sons of Jesse. No, not that one, not that one. There's got to be one more. Oh, he's, well, there's only one more out in the field, but you don't want him. He's ruddy. He's, he's little. He's no, you know. No, he's the one God has chosen. I think about the 12 apostles. What a motley crew they were. Peter, just obstinate. You know, just difficult. Difficult person. Anyone have any difficult people in your lives? A Peter, perhaps? Or how about a James or a John? They were pretty obstinate too, come to think of it. Sons of thunder. Matthew was a crooked tax collector. But God called them. And change their story. And so it is today. I'm telling you, church. You know, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6. There were some, some people, you know, will not inherit the kingdom of God. He was on a whole tirade of sinful behavior. Sexual sin. Uh, self-serving sin. Social sins. And then he says a, a phrase that blows everybody's mind. And such were some of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, yeah, such were some of us. Loaded down. But we've been washed, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord. We've been set free to serve the living master. So lesson number one from the shepherds, we're invited. You're invited. God wants you and me 
in the story. You know, if you saw on Facebook, I had a very close friend of mine who used to be a board member at our old church, Gregory Latina. We prayed for him many times. Greg died, but he went to heaven. (laughs) And if you knew his story, you would say, man, if God could do that in Greg Latino, he could do that in anybody. Talk about a difficult man. With a, with a story, he could write, he'll be, he's a legend of sorts in the area. But God reached down and saved his soul. Let the Lord write your story, church. He wants you in the story. Number two is this. Number two is this. God's word is absolutely paramount. I get into these discussions with people sometimes about how to do things and what seems right or wrong. Well, you know what? I have my personal opinions about stuff too, but my personal opinion is second compared to this opinion. So we have to always allow the Word of God to, to filter in, to change the way we think personally. I mean, well, anyway, verse, uh, verse number 10 and 11, you know, there's a, a son born to you. This is a great news. But this is the word of God being manifested. I'll go quickly. Isaiah seven fourteen, a prophecy. There's going to be a sign for you. A virgin is going to be with child. And they're going to call this, this child Emmanuel. That was repeated in Matthew chapter 1. Isaiah 9, 6 says, Unto us a child is born, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. His name will be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government uh, will have no end. And he'll sit upon the throne of David. Micah 5.2 says, Out of you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, although you are small among the thousands of Judah, will come forth one to rule over Israel. It's all true. The word of God is true. And, and the whole story of Christmas was prophesied. And, and I always say this, if that's true, guess what? Everything else in the Word of God is true too. So when the, the Word of God says, when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. He's telling the truth. He's preparing a place for us, that we may go there. In that context, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets there but through me. First Thessalonians 4. The Lord will descend with a shout and the voice of the archangel. And the dead in Christ will arise and we who remain will be caught up with him in the air to be with him forever. Therefore comfort one another with these words. This is the word of God. Christmas is the springboard in a sense for everything else that's promised. The word of God says about the word of God, it's living and powerful and sharp enough to cut us. To discern the thoughts and intents of our heart. It's God breathed. It's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's a lamp. It's a light. It's our guide through life into eternal life. It's a book of grace. It's a book of hope. It's a book of correction and forgiveness. In John chapter 1, we read that the Word of God was actually. Uh, The Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Thus, Christmas. Jesus is the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, as it says, as one of the, the only begotten of the Father. So the Word is so important. The Word says, if you want to see heaven, you must be born again. It's not our opinion. It's what the Word of God says. If you want to have a new beginning in life, well, you could go back and get an education or do this or do that. But ultimately, if you want to be, have a new lease on life, you have to be in Christ. Because anyone in Christ is a new creation. That's what the Word of God says. So, lessons from the shepherds. Yeah, God wants you in the story. And God wants the Word of God to be a part, of your, part of your story. Part of your life. Part of your experience. The word must be paramount in our lives. And let me go on to verse, the, the third point I want to bring out today. Verses 17 and 18, Luke 2, 17 and 18. When they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this Christ. And all who heard it marveled at those things that were told them by the shepherds. And the shepherds returned, verse 20, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The third thing, the third lesson from the shepherds is God wants us to tell somebody. 
these shepherds, it was a natural reaction to tell somebody about what had happened. Going back to what I said earlier, when the shepherds heard this news, they received the news. And and they, they received the news that a Savior has come. Can I remind you in 1 John 3, 8, that Jesus has come to defeat the works of Satan? A Savior has come. Let, let's bring it up to date. Uh, what, December 11th, 2022. Jesus is our Savior today. Some of us may be oppressed, bothered, hindered, harassed by demonic activity. Some of us may not be able to put things in the right perspective. But let me tell you, the Savior has come to save you, but to deliver you from the powers of Satan and the powers of the world. That's good news. And that's worth telling somebody. Because somebody you know needs to know that. It says in, in, in this chapter that a sign will be given to you. You know, a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit tells us, the Lord tells us in John 16, the Holy Spirit is, is what's our sign today. You know why? We have a witness in our heart and in our spirit. We don't need the, the, we don't need thunder and lightning. We have the Holy Spirit to come to convict us of sin. It says in John 16, 8 through 11, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit come. Now, Jesus had to die and go to glory and then release the Holy Spirit. You got that, right? When he did that, he said the Holy Spirit will come to convict you of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Listen, we don't need an Old Testament prophet to tell us what's going on. In some ways, you don't need a pastor to tell you in a sense, but we have the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And that's worth telling somebody. I mean, when I got saved, you know my story, I got saved in my friend's trailer. I wasn't in a church service. I didn't have a pastor. And all months before that, God was doing, I knew something was up with me. I didn't know what. I know now it was the Holy Spirit working in me. And someone needs to know that, that you know. And then the shepherds heard, okay, there was a Savior, there was a sign, and there was a song. The angels were singing a song. But you know what I I learned, Zephaniah 3.17? I love this. God is now singing over us. Oh, my goodness. I love it. This morning we're singing praises to God. Hallelujah. And in in a way, in in the background, we could say God is singing over his people. What a glorious moment of melody and praise and just joy in the Lord. Hallelujah. Colossians 3.16 says, says, let us teach and admonish one another. Guess how? Not in a classroom. But in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with grace, grace in your hearts to the Lord. Uh, so we have a new song, and someone needs to know the new song that we sing. Let me challenge you, because I challenge myself with this all the time. Somebody in your family, somebody at work, somebody at school, your neighbor in your neighborhood, an old friend of yours. Boy, Facebook is wonderful for connecting with old friends. Some stranger at Market Basket. Can I get an amen? Amen. Or Target. Those places are jumping these days. (laughs) You always get in conversations. If you want to, you can. But be ready to say something about the God that you know. Think of these shepherds. They didn't know anything. All they knew is that they saw the Savior and they went around telling everybody. We need to be encouraged to, to tell somebody. I mean, wouldn't it be something to, to take these next two weeks before Christmas and look for the opportunity while you're standing in line at Market Basket or bumping into people trying to make the corner or whatever and say something about Jesus. Something about Jesus. Heard this story about a, a man that he went through a toll booth. Every time he went to the toll booth, he would say to the lady, God bless you. And uh, after a while, she looked forward to him coming to say the God bless you. And she received the blessing. People are just waiting for somebody to say a good word. Tell somebody, God bless you. Tell someone, hey, Jesus is here for you. God bless you. Amen. Amen.
In summary, the shepherds are in the story. I'm so glad they're in the story. I'm so glad. Jesus is speaking to us. He's speaking to our culture. You know, culturally, everyone has to be, you know, the lifestyle of the rich and famous and popular and have money and this and that and go places. Nah, you know what? In the big scheme of things, it's a matter of the heart. And the fact that shepherds are in the story tells me the gate's wide open. The gate is wide open. So, just in summary, God wants you in the story. There's a place for you in the story. And not just in 2022, may I add. We're talking about until you meet the Lord face to face. My friend Greg Latino, I think he got saved in 1997. He was faithful till last week or whatever. Faithful. Wasn't an easy road, but he was faithful. He got in the story. Definitely, he's in the story. The word of God, the word of God always comes true. I mean, it sounds a little bit funny to say that, but it's true. The word of God comes true. What the word of God says, it's going to happen sooner or later. Just sit tight. Stacey had another point last week. Enjoy the waiting. You know, it's not always fun, but realize the waiting is like a testing ground. Wait on the Lord and you'll renew your strength, etc. But, but the word of God always comes true. We seek him first. He'll provide everything we need. That's what the word of God says. Right? He who began a good work is faithful to complete the work. Even on a bad day? Yeah, even on a bad day. And the third part, tell somebody your story. Because when you tell your story, you create fuel in your spirit that keeps you rejoicing. And your faith will never get stale that way. I'm talking 45 years here, church. All right? And there's some that maybe have been longer with the Lord. Long time to keep it fresh. But God keeps it fresh. When it's alive in your heart, he keeps it fresh. Amen? Why don't we stand together? Thank you for hearing the message of the, of the Lord today. I'm going to read verse number 10. I want you to read verse number 11, okay? Verse number 11 is up there. Verse number 10 is right here. Okay? Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Well, that sounded good. This is what you call liturgical. Let me do it again. <laughs> hey, liturgical is not a bad word. You know. Okay. The angel, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. <laughs> one more time, one more time. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, every head bowed for just a moment, please. James, maybe you could get a nice song at the end here to get it ready. But every head bowed for just a minute. Listen, Christmas is here. You know my story. My first born-again Christmas. Oh, my goodness. I thought, I, I just, so, I was so real. And I celebrated all my Christmases. But that Christmas was special. Is there anyone here today that needs to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? He came for you. Somebody online, maybe. He came for you. He came to deliver you from the hand of Satan to the hand of the Father. Listen, you're going to be somebody's slave. This freedom thing, we're, we're, we're free to let go of one hand and grab hold to another hand. He came to deliver us from the hand of Satan to grasp on to the hand of the Father. Is there anyone that needs Jesus today? 
Is there anyone that needs to renew your relationship with the Lord? Hallelujah. All right. Is there anyone that needs prayer for this Christmas season to go well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the message in the word. Shepherds in the story. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're all shepherd-like. We're all like that. We're all kind of just doing our thing. But, Lord, you, you broke into our world. And we thank you for that. Keep it fresh, Lord God. Keep it fresh. May this story, and most of us have heard this story for most of our lives. And the story of Christmas, the, the manger and the magi and, and, and Joseph and Mary and the angels and all that's involved with the story. We know the story, but Lord, let it be more than just something in our mind. Let it be something in our, our heart and our spirit because it is the word of God. Let the word of God burn in our hearts, especially during this season. Lord, let us get in the story. Let us get into the word. And let us tell somebody our story that you have a story ready for them to begin. So let this Christmas season, Lord, be special. Give us wisdom to navigate all that we have to do financially, relationally, business-wise, shopping-wise. Give us us self-control, oh God. And so we surrender to you, Lord, our, our lives today. Thank you for your goodness And thank you for your faithfulness. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Can you turn that up, James? I had to listen a minute to get what it was. Well, if anyone needs prayer, I'll be happy to pray with you. Uh, Join us tonight, 6 o'clock on the... Oh, Christmas caroling at 5.30. If you can't do that, join us on the live stream prayer at 6. God bless you.